Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. this is Marek Larwood. Hello, film listeners. Hello, film listeners. And uh, this week we have a guest with us. It's Mr. Joel Morris. Hello, Joel. Hello. Uh, Joel is a comedy writer and uh, all round... Uh, do you write serious things as well? No, mainly comedy. Mainly comedy. I saw a short film you made that was quite serious. Yeah, that had no jokes in it. And everyone who knows what we normally write was waiting for there to be a joke at the end and they said it's just horrible what's it, what's it called it's called The Cunning Woman and if you go to if you type that in it'll turn up somewhere on, on there's a video of it you can watch on, oh it's on Vimeo online. yeah it's, it's hosted on Vimeo somewhere so you can all the good arty stuff is on yeah, Vimeo yeah. rather than YouTube why is that why YouTube is that YouTube is something you've done in your bedroom yeah and when you've got a proper crew in and it's lit properly why is that though I mean is there any reason other than brand filmmakers go on Vimeo and respect it you can put a password on it well it's like it's like the difference between going to Subway and and Pret and going into a nice cafe (laughs) you know what you're going to get once YouTube's like a McDonald's isn't it Yeah. yeah So I I can't put my cats falling off things on Vimeo. That would be frowned upon. I wonder what would happen if it, unless it was really well lit. Not unless I put some Wagner under it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they didn't have the copyright thing. Yeah, that's it, true. So. Um, well, we're going to talk about some uh, movies. Joel's brought us in a film, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I have seen a current release, um, a comedy film, Right Up Our Streets. Called They Came Together. Now, have you guys heard about this? I've seen it on buses or something. Yeah. Um, I, had it, I had it advertised to me and I, I read a review of it that was like a, a, a middling review, but the review made it sound like it would be brilliant. It's like a three star review, and I read that and went, well, that sounds like quite a good film. What, what newspaper the, was the review? It was in the Guardian, or oh, maybe the Telegraph. But it, was, but it made it sound, it's, it's a spoof romantic comedy, which yeah. made me want to punch someone because that's a brilliant idea, and I've thought of that. It's, it's, and I'm annoyed someone's finally done it. It's uh, Amy Poehler and uh, Paul Rudd um, doing the absolutely a uh, you know the absolutely typical, the archetypical uh, rom-com plot, um, and Bill Hader is their friend who they're explaining how they got together. And uh, then you go and you see the whole thing. And it is, as you say, it's a, it's a spoof in that they do all the tropes and then just rip the piss out of them completely. And it is really, really funny. It's really good. There is a, there is a, a, a basketball scene that I think is, 
like a perfect sketch. You know that scene in all of these things where the man has gone to his traditional uh, male sanctuary of the basketball court and he's talking to his friends who are all, you know, different in different ways <laughs> whilst they're all talk- telling him about, uh, hey man, forget women. Or just go, no, I, I regret splitting up with my girl and just all of that. And it's so well done. Um it is brilliant. I haven't laughed out loud as often at a film for a long time than this one. Uh, it's mm, properly that's, good. That's really good news because you can get it to rent. I think if you've got Sky, it's, I think it's, I just think it's simultaneous on, release. Yes, yeah, I think Sky have got it to pay for. And I imagine all the other brands have got it mm. to pay for. You can, so I thought, oh, that's a date night that won't be done. Yeah, which is quite hard to find. What's the tone of it like? Because a lot of these, what I get off of a lot of that sort of Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd comedies, is there a bit. I always feel as if they're enjoying it more than the audiences. Okay. And, and it, you know what I mean? I can't remember mm. my finger, but where they're, they're all sort of, we're all, aren't we all really, really the, funny? It, is a, bit, it, well. it is a bit of a nod and a wink, as in it, it's... And this this is my only criticism of it, which, um, you know, they, they play the laugh absolutely and at the expense of the reality they're creating. Mm. Um uh, which I, I think they do on Talladega Nights, for instance, or um, or films of that ilk. And the problem with that is, yes, the story is fluff. It's the absolutely typical rom-com story, so it doesn't matter. But if they don't believe a word of it and they're just going through the beats, the film then still drags because yeah. you're not invested in the story. And it doesn't matter if you've heard the story before. If they're not invested in it, there's no reason for you to. Just so even though the <coughs> excuse me, even though the individual scenes are really it's right funny. Day. It's all right, Dave. Thanks. Went a bit squeaky there, I don't know why. I thought you were getting emotional. Yeah. Even though the individual scenes are really funny, it it does overstay its welcome slightly just because it doesn't believe in the story that it's. We had this telling. thing. We did. Uh, we've done three of these for, for with Charlie Brooker. We've done the touch of cloth things, which are parodies of detective yes. films, yeah. and they've got the full plot of a detective thing. And we t- and the real g- gag heavy sort of naked airplane gun thing, airplane yeah. style. And that was, yeah. We watched lots of airplane and lots of these things, and we found out the, the amazing thing when you watch airplane is that for the last ten minutes of airplane, there are almost no jokes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a proper thriller because actually they borrowed it from a proper thriller and the last 10 minutes are the last 10 minutes of Zero Hour the film they, they bought the script for because there comes a point in any of these things where you kind of need to care about the characters yes. and we found out that if we did jokes in Touch of Cloth if we made the murders not real and we made it not a real detective story the audience lost interest about 40 minutes in it's interesting it's an hour and a half long and what you need to at some point you have to kick in and go actually that girl might get her throat cut yeah even though you're doing a load of stupid sight gags and stupid bum puns, it's why it also needs to be a real film. It's why I think Airplane is sort of like the perfect immortal comedy, is that, for exactly that reason, its gag rate is incredibly high and they never miss a beat on it. But you you, you care. And the protagonist could not be more earnest. Mm. And that works. And Life of Brian, similarly, is surreal and, and sort of comes off the rails more than Airplane does. But Brian never doesn't care about the plight yeah. he's in. It's always, a, you know, a hell for him to go Ter- to. Terry Jones pointed this out. They did a, an edit of Holy Grail, and where whatever sketch they put at 50 minutes, no one laughed. Even if you put the best sketch. Because at 50 minutes, people are tired of laughing and need to care. And you watch Parker and Stone, you watch the, the South Park and, and Team America movies. There's a proper story, and the people are really in trouble. And about 50 minutes, no matter how funny your film is, it has to also have a real story in it. And I think the Python's got that right. Yeah. There's usually a bit... I think Shaun of the Dead, they said that, though. About fifth... No, it's about an hour and ten in, in Shaun of the Dead. They took a load of jokes out because people weren't laughing and actually his mum's in danger. Yeah, yeah. And they had to play it straight for a minute and then you could do some jokes at the end. But there's a bit like a, a lull. It's almost like a... 
a movement in a symphony or something. I wonder, a bit where it has I wonder to be it's like dating someone. If they're really, really <laughs> funny, first of all, I mean, that's great, you're really interesting, but, you know, after about six months or so, you just want to get to know the real person. Yeah, because, well, you want to know they're taking this seriously, really. And you don't want to hear jokes every morning or someone to be funny. It's like going out with Tony that. Blackburn. You want someone to stop. You yeah. want to find them. Who's the real Tony Blackburn? Stop doing the DJ patter. I wonder how close to the 50 minute mark the uh, Phoebe Cates, uh, my dad died at Christmas speeches in Gremlins. It will be. It'll be, it'll it'll be, be around be. there, won't it? Yeah, what serious consequences. Well, I hate all that. I, hate oh, I all love that. it. I can imagine all the execs where they're sitting in some office with some graph. No, quite the opposite in, with Gremlins, quite the opposite, where um, the naked Spielberg, swamp. Yeah, Spielberg produced that film, and uh, uh, his only notes, because he, he let the uh, director do whatever he wanted, because uh, he trusted him, but his only note was, I don't get why this scene is in here. Oh. And he said, listen, I'm not going to pull rank, it's your film, if you think it should be in there, I trust you, but I'm just going to tell you, I don't get why it's there. I want the reverse to be true, I want there to be in a really serious film, like an Ingmar Bergman, or maybe a Come and See, the, the, the Ukrainian war film, there should be a custard pie fight, about 50 minutes, <laughs> you've had enough drama, and you need a really good, it should be that bromance scene, the basketball court, yeah. it should happen about 50 minutes in, some visual gags. Um, yeah, an interesting one is the Naked Gun films because they managed to, rather than have that moment at some point where this is suddenly all real, they seem to just sort of walk the tightrope between it's real for Frank Drebin whilst <laughs> being really weird all the time. Because they work those movies. But is that because he's such an established character? Because I think there's two types of jokes, and I was talking to my f- uh, friend who's trying to write a script called Paul, and he's saying that for the first the other way around in a character piece you're almost setting a character if you're you've got the sort of slapstick jokes you can do straight away and do in like Naked Gun or yeah. you know Hot Shots Pot doing Hot yeah. Shots love the Hot Shots or, movies or you can do the other way where you've got to establish a character then you've got all the character jokes later. That, yes. he can only become funny once you get to know him and his sort of yeah. foibles so it's the other way around but there are different ways of doing this I was re-watching there's, there's a good and a half there's one and a half good Pink Panther movies <laughs> and the one that was made years after they, they sort of they brought it back the one that, that isn't in the box set I think uh, the one with Christopher Plummer and the jewel heist in it Return of the Pink Panther and you watch that one that's got quite a good story it's a good jewel heist story and then Cluzo's dropped into it and they alternate the scenes when Cluzo's on it's really funny and he does lots of and then it cuts to Christopher Plummer and he's breaking Graham Stark's fingers and it's a proper like uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre sort of uh, adventure in, in in Africa, and it, they they've done that by just swapping between it. And while the the funny character, while while the comic, re- it's it's like Shakespeare's like comic relief, but it seems to be impossible to just keep it being funny all the way through. But that's a really interesting way of doing it because then you structurally you've got the the light and fluffy world of the comedy character slowly. Uh, getting closer and closer Darkening. to the darkness and what's going to happen really, when they meet. Whenever people stop, say, we'll do a funny... I mean, I was going to say this with regard to the rom-com with, with they came together, is that the reason they work and the reason Naked Gun works really well is that everyone knows how detective drama works. So it doesn't matter what's going on. You're aware the detective's on a mission and he's going... So it's why Austin Powers works. He's doing a bomb mission. You know how that yeah. works. He goes closer and closer to the to the base. And with the rom-com, I thought that I was slightly delighted and annoyed they'd come out with it because I've been saying for ages everyone knows the beats for rom-com yes. they're, they're, as, they're as traditional as an Agatha Christie plot and the fact that no one had pastiched them was almost insulting to the kind of people who love rom-coms to sort of say oh you can only have the real thing you can't take a joke yeah. whereas fact, everyone knows I've, I've been proposing doing Richard Curtis P take for ages because you can just set your watch by them yeah, in a really nice way in a, familiar, in, a, in a comforting way so 
They run automatically. Did what? they ever sort of chase running? Did they ever bit at the end where you know, oh yeah when yeah. the character yeah. suddenly realizes what they're yeah. running to the airport and, no, yeah. ch- chasing after her and she's in her wedding dress With and up, all up, of that stuff. music and stuff like that oh, yeah man, it's brilliant. great and the thing is Amy Poehler is uh, fantastic I mean it, 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 if anyone watches Parks and Recreation they they know about Amy Poehler but and she's had uh, sort of limited exposure in films I mean Tina Fey is sort of who's her best friend I understand has sort of been a couple of steps ahead of her in terms of that you know but the films that Tina Fey's done have largely been duff I mean that thing of funny on TV Date Night was good Date Night is not strong and it's Tina Fey and, and uh, Steve Carell and it's I quite, not I, I, I enjoyed it as a really ba- as a really easy watching watching two good comedy people I liked them well, yeah. but I this is the thing yeah. it, isn't it frustrating when you see two such funny people doing material that is beneath them when you know <laughs> if they'd just given them the money to write it as well they could have come up with I a quite, better film I, I really like a good rom-com and I like the blandness of it. I like the fact it doesn't threaten. Like Richard Curtis at his best. I really love some of his films. And I really like the blandness of it. And I don't want to be they're challenged. Also, they're also hard. Because I'm just saying, because obviously, if someone, you've got a partner and you want to occasionally watch a romantic film on Valentine's Night and you've watched Danny Hall and you've watched When Harry Met Sally and then you've run out. Yeah. And it's really weird that they appear to be one of those magical things like Raid of the Lost Ark or Star Wars. It must be easy to write another one of those. No, you can't. Yeah. And you look at Richard Curtis, who is a very good writer has written lots of good stuff and he appears to have been able to write two of them yeah and in his I mean Four Weddings I think is uh, fantastic and then I can enjoy Notting Hill and then they, they sort of tail off a bit after that yeah, for it's me it's kind of weird you go this is clearly a very skilled thing but I thought uh, what are the other ones I like I like 500 Days of Summer the Before Sunrise things they're quite nice but they're more romances than romantic mm. it's almost an anti-romance 500 Days though, yeah. isn't it I like, it's almost, that's almost the closest I've seen to a parody of a rom-com before yes and I, and I well really date movie that. of course <laughs> I've missed that one. <laughs> I missed that one as well. Um, yeah, but yes, I would recommend this. Is it a date movie then, or is it laughing at? Say it's, you were on a first date. Yeah. Would you? And you? I mean, you really. You know what? You really I, like this. I think. David, you really like this girl. Yeah. You're really nervous. I probably. I don't. I don't know if you're I really would. Really nervous. I don't think I would because it's a bit too cynical. You know, it's a bit oh. cynical because so it makes the whole experience. It would make it look like you didn't believe in love. Yeah. Well, it, in terms, it would start off as we're having the best time ever. And then at the hour and a half mark, you'd be just like, oh, something's changed. <laughs> I don't a know. Bitter, a bit you know, It doesn't fire you out of the end of this ride. It starts with a loop the loop, and then there's just some sort of banking turns from the last two minutes of the roller coaster. <laughs> you never want to go and watch a comedy on a first date, though. It's really yeah. bad. A friend just... of mine uh, took a girl to see uh, Human Centipede on a first date. <laughs> That's brilliant. Why? He thought it would be sort of, Interesting on a first date. He didn't really know anything about it either. He thought it would be like horror, a, a horror. We'll we'll yeah. all get to hug in the dark or something. But no, and no. That, that was it. Surely, so yeah, it, said, never, it never went anywhere. Though you took you took me to a sewing a girl's <laughs> mouth to a man's bumhole movie, and that is a niche genre. Well, you can't ever you can't ever get married then. Yeah. No, how did you mean? Oh, human centipede. The so, anecdote's terrible, isn't yeah. it? There's a lovely, there's a lovely scene in you know Freaks and Geeks. The, the yeah, I think that started kind of these bromance movies because it's Joe Apatow and Paul Feig. There's a lovely scene where they do a long plot arc in Freaks and Geeks where he falls, he's in love with the cheerleader who will never be with him, and he finally takes her on a first date and he takes her to see the jerk with Steve Martin, and she doesn't understand any of the jokes in it, and it's just a lovely thing of exactly what it would be like yeah. as a gawky, whatever he's thirteen, fourteen year old boy that he takes her to see the thing that he reckons would be the best film ever, and she goes, why is that man behaving like an idiot? 
and it killed. And they, they never mentioned the, the the romance again. They killed the, the will they won't they straight away because wow. if she didn't get the jerk, she's not then worthy. What's the of point? Him. Yeah, yeah. But comedies are a hard right. one for a first date. Yeah, it's got to be hot. It's got to be mold horror. Mold peril. Yeah, mold Rugrats movie. Yeah, <laughs> mold non-sexual peril. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to add in the uh, the theme of sexual peril into a so you date. Want to do, you? Say, what do you want to go on a date? What do you want to go and see? How about a non-sexual peril? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a local flip it that just does non-sexual peril night. <laughs> That's what you want. Just popcorn and it's got sofa and seats. And also, all sofa seats. Yeah. So what would shape. be what would be your uh, double bill of non-sexual peril movies? I'm trying to think what a non-sexual. Uh, Home Alone is a non-sexual no, peril it's got movie. Be a bit bland. It's got to be. Is Romancing the Stone? The defined, definitive romantic. No, that's, not, that's quite sexy, isn't it? Yeah. It's a will they won't they? But it's not there. sexual peril. That's no. the thing. It's not. Um, yeah. You know, it's not Hollow Man. <laughs> yeah, the Woodsman. The Woodsman and Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> Two predatory Kevin Bacon films in a row. And then start trying to get off with her when, <laughs> when he. <laughs> Still must have done that. Kevin must Bacon's pant loose. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you can think of a good uh, non-sexual peril film that might be a good date night uh, thing for people, for the younger people who are out uh, looking to go to the cinema, or perhaps renting, you don't even rent DVDs anymore, do you? No. Perhaps downloading, streaming. streaming a DVD. I know the sirens as usual. Yeah. Um, well, so- then you can contact us. Let us know. Uh, you can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or talk to each other on facebook.com forward slash filmfandango or you can tweet us at filmfandango, at Mr. David Reed or at Marek Larwood or at Joel Morris. Is that me? I what, don't on, know. Twi- on Twitter? Yeah, on, on Grail for it. Grail for it. That's right. G-R-A-L-E-F-R-I-T. So how many how many Davies do you give? Were we they came together. Whatever it was called. Well, because of my you know storytelling uh, lag thing that happens, it's inevitable. No matter how good the, the gags are, I would give this probably a seven. But it is very funny, and you will have a good time. Only five point five on IMDb. That's quite wrong. Quite, well, this quite may, wrong. This may explain the newspaper's three star review that I thought read like a four star. Maybe yeah. they were feeling your same narrative lag yeah but oh my god there's some really good bits they're really good but Rob, do we all like Paul Rudd as well yes. I like Paul Rudd I don't know actually I really like but Paul he's Rudd but can he he's, off, he's got this niche of he's always going to get cast as that guy in this film but he's so he's, good at it he's, he's the best guy at that you know what, Paul Rudd and he is funny like he is genuinely funny and I much prefer him to the Seth Rogans or because I like I facts I like it when actors do a thing because there's this myth that actors should be able to do everything. There's only about four actors who do everything, like Alec Guinness and Peter Sellers. Most people are John LeMessurier, and they do a thing. Mm. And I quite like or, it. when, you, when, when it's Peter wa- Laurie. Yeah, when well, they wander in, you go, oh, good, Peter Laurie, he'll be doing the Peter Laurie thing. It's I me, quite like Peter Laurie. But maybe they can do other things, but you only get, because casting-wise, you yeah, just literally only it. get cast. Uh, actors complain I, about this, and you go, but if you're the best guy at this, just, ah. Oh. Hugh Grant said, you never lose money by being the guy everyone thinks you are. Yeah. Mm. And it's a nice thing to do. And if you want to be versatile, do theatre. Yes, you get asked to do more there. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to get bummed. Oh, Marit, that's not... That's not... That's not strong. There we go. I've summed up theatre for you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really pleased with myself. (laughs) Um, All right, then. Well, let's... um, 
Joel's brought in a, a film. Yes, we asked Joel to bring in his favourite film of all time, the film he it thought is. was the best film. Yeah. And the film you picked was? The Wicker Man. Yeah. But not that one. Not that the one. The other Wicker the Man. The 2006 remake of The yeah. Wicker Man. The Wicker Man, which people call Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man. But I'd like to call and say it's not, it's Neil LeBoot's Wicker Man, and I'm putting the blame yes. squarely at Neil LeBoot's so what? Why did you? Um, why did you pick this? I just say that I mean David's on, on, on slightly shaky ground here, having only watched the Carrie remake and the Psycho remake. I have seen I have seen both Wicker Men. Okay, I have not seen the Wicker Tree yet. No one has, not even the director. Has seen that. <laughs> but it's no, I'm, the Wicker Man original obviously is a near perfect film and is an absolute classic of horror. And the Wicker Man, the, the original Wicker Man is one of my top three films without any. Managing to make horror without it being gothic yeah. is, is brilliant. It looks, yeah, it's really clever. Um, I, I was obsessed by it for years. My, I was in a band and we did a, an album based on it that was our best-selling album. I, went, I visited the locations of the Wicker Man four times and was <laughs> massively obsessed with the Wicker Man. And when they said they were going to remake it, I went, this will be interesting. So I'm the worst audience for this. But I think it's... I've seen the Wicker Man remake about five times. Wow. And oddly, it is strangely compelling. And I'm... I'm I'm getting to a point where at some point I may have seen the remake more than the original. <laughs> now, I, I fear that. My, I, I, I watched this. You know, I had an open mind. I enjoy Nicolas Cage films. Yeah. I don't enjoy Nicolas Cage films that are trying to be, you know, genuinely good films that often. But um, I agree. I don't think it's his fault. And what is sort of intriguing, what pulls you into this film is, I think there is genuinely a worthy idea... Um, for making a new version of the Wicker Man in there, and it tries so hard to to make it work, and just doesn't. it's really odd because there's no point remaking it. The point with the Wicker Man, and what makes the Wicker Man really interesting, is the Wicker Man is in lots of ways, like a lot of great films, not a good film. It is a mess. The guy, Robin Hardy, who directed the original Wicker Man, hadn't directed a film before. He's an ad director. It's done too quickly, low budget. It was cut to pieces, bits buried under a motorway. Halfway through, the director said to the cast, oh, we're making a musical, and everyone went, what? And it's, it's a shambles. But it accidentally, through the magic of, of film, comes together and is one of the most memorable and magical films ever. And what they've done is someone's looked at that, and you read interviews with LeBoot, and he went, I've seen this perfect film that all you guys like. I think I can do it better. I think I can fix it. Yeah. And he's fixed it in a way you would fix a film in 2006 to get rid of... I mean, the people who made the original Wicker Man, the producers, Delian Spikings and everyone involved at British Lion and who were distributing it, reckoned it was one of the worst films they'd ever seen. And the remake is the film I suspect those producers would have liked to have made in 1973 with all the, sh- the, the ugly bumps and lumps yeah. smoothed off to make it a proper hero with a proper motive and none of those embarrassing songs and none of those embarrassing sex scenes and get rid of all the stuff about him being a virgin. And it shouldn't just be, he's only I mean, a policeman. Do policemen really go after missing children? Shouldn't it be his own daughter? All that sort of Liam Neeson-y hero yeah. baggage has been added on. And it ruins it. It does. By, by taking all the sharp edges and the bits that don't work, the weird performances and everything out of it, it becomes really boring. Well, it sanitises a... the it sanitizes the isolation of it. That Oh, so he's looking for his own daughter and his, his ex is on the island. Yeah. So he's not alone. He's got on a friend. I mean, the, the, Wicker Man is, Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man is a song about... It's a song. It's a film about... Uh, clash of ideologies so I reckon you could make a modern version of it and it would have some relevance it's about it's about one belief system hitting another belief system 
and the person you're following him being a bit of a prig mm. but he's the hero he's the policeman and you slowly learn that he might be wrong and you mistrust the authority figure all this stuff's really rich and clever in the original and instead of that they have this guy who goes to an island and because he's not a virgin in this version it's not a sex thing and not a fertility cult and they, they sort of fudge that and then they haven't thought it it's through it's a honey cult it's, it's, it's re- every good idea in the original is made a weak idea in this one to make can you tell us what roughly for people who haven't seen yeah. it what what you know? What well, is the basic without? What the basic film is about? The, uh, the, the basic film is he is a copper um, who is a he's a motorcycle cop in this one who's allergic to bees, and he goes to but he gets a letter. Uh, he so he, he witnesses a, a mysterious road accident where a girl and a, and a mother disappear from a car, and then he gets a letter saying come to Summer Summer's Isle. They've added an S in to Summer Isle to make it a different film. So it's Summer's Isle. In this film, and the teacher fluffs it and says Summer Isle once, which is really <laughs> funny. But she says, Some, Go to Summer's Isle, a girl has gone missing, and there's an implication it might be his daughter with an, with an estranged partner he hasn't seen for ages. So he gets a call to adventure, and he flies off to this remote community where it's run by Ellen Burstyn in the Christopher Lee role as the leader of a cult who appear to be sort of slightly pagan, slightly old fashioned, and it's women only, and the men are entirely mute on the island. And he doesn't understand what's going on, so he wanders around for an hour and a half going, what's going on at people louder and louder and louder? And at the end, they, the same twist as in the original, it turns out that they are that the girl isn't really missing. And it's been him. the plan all along. It's, it's been, been a, a trap. T- to tempt him through. And the odd thing about doing a twist film now is that everyone's... Why do you remake twist. a twist film and keep the twist the same? I mean, that makes no it's sense. It's the only respectable it. thing in it is they do... He doesn't get rescued by helicopters at the end. But there's this... It's really odd, because... They've repurposed all the stuff about Clash of Belief and him being a Christian copper and all the drama about about one fundamentalist bumping into another fundamentalist, yes. which is still relevant. They've, re- they've changed that into Neil LeBook's usual thing of if women ruled the world, it would be just as screwed up, eh, guys? And it's just like the worm that turned by the two Ronnies. It's just really <laughs> misogynist. And, and he but just that, spends his whole time punching women. That idea, he punches so many women in this. As, as, if, <laughs> as if the writers have gone, uh, oh, well, if... If if he was if this was in a normal film, he'd punch the bad guy at this point. Can we not still do that? Well, I mean, Neil LeBoot wrote it, and you get the feeling that at that point he's going. That's it. You, you, it's so transparent why he's taken this film and what the, the things he's changed about it. Some of the things he's changed about it are to make it more of a Hollywood film. So he saved all the sort of Robert McKee, Save the Cat, formulaic, yeah. heroic writing that he saves a little girl's doll at the beginning in a kind of put the bunny back in the box Con Air kind of way. And he uh, and he, uh, it's it's his daughter who's gone missing, and he's heroic, and you see all that sort of stuff, and all that stuff that they've added in and changed is in the service of partly making it a more acceptable film to a mainstream audience, which is a terrible thing to do to a cult film because that that's not the point of it, but also because Neil LeBoot wants to talk about women, yeah, and so. But I think there is it. <laughs> there's in there. There's a kernel of that being interesting. The idea of a rather brash American, you know, cop representative of the patriarchy yeah. coming into clash with a matriarchy who they just have no respect for him at all. That is in itself potentially interesting yeah. and it isn't in this film. Well, they, they, well um, I, think, I think that's a film that would be written by Alison Anders or something like that. Basically, it would require a woman to write that yeah. for it to have any effect, which is the whole point with Anthony Schaffer's Wicker Man. He's interested in pagan culture and he puts a, a, a priggish upright Christian in it and questions his Christian faith yes whereas Leon Boot is never going to question Nicolas Cage's masculinity so the idea of this film doesn't work anyway he goes makes this journey to meet all these matriarchs 
And there's, I rewatched the ending of the original Wicker Man after this to cleanse my palate. And there's a brilliant bit in when Edward Woodward's in the Wicker Man and he's blazing away. And he does this sermon. He preaches a sermon in the Wicker Man. It's incredibly powerful. And I've not noticed it, even though I've seen the Wicker Man dozens of times, that he finishes his sermon and all the crowded round, the villagers who are crowded around, don't react. And all you hear is the quacking of ducks <laughs> that are in the, in the sacrifice with him. Yes. And it's as if no one's listening. That the enormous certainty of the Bible is falling on deaf ears. And it's incredibly powerful. And that would be possible in this film, that his certainty about his masculinity and his gun and his punching would fall on deaf ears. But that's not... They haven't bothered to do that. Well, the makers seem unaware that that is a conflict within their own script. They yeah. don't seem to see, you know... But the, it's the only story that's in there. But it's yeah. right, anyway, apart from that, it's very, very funny. And it's... Uh, they do stupid things like that. It's all about human sacrifice. Someone must die that the crops do not fail. Next year is the plot in both films. And in this one, halfway through, because they're feeling it's lagging a bit, they kill someone. Yes. They kill the harbour master halfway through. No reason. And, and you go, was he not a reasonable sacrifice? <laughs> the whole point about the first one was the sanctity of a single life. Yeah. And the second one, they go, should be more murders. It's murder. a horror film. So yeah, uh, that something's eating his hand. Yeah, it's just terrible. But it's, it's not ooh. unenjoyable. And Nicholas, it's odd. Have you seen Vampire's Kiss? Was the no. Oh, we've talked about Nic- it before. But Nicholas Cage cropped up quite a lot. I know yeah. in in as one of the sort of uh, quite idiosyncratic film stars of uh, our t- our yeah. time. But uh, his performance, his performances, having seen quite a lot of them, <laughs> are so odd, especially in Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. If he'd have performed this film with a sort of odd... You see glimpses of it when he's sort of swatting away these imaginary beads. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, put the beads on in post, yeah. CGI. Yeah. So you can see, see him sort of swatting and doing some... But he's, his acting is quite straight in this. And it's... On the brink, and, and it's got cult status for being a comedy now. If you go into watching yeah, it as a well, comedy, bruise my eyes. Well, so everyone, what I find fascinating about this is that everyone, it is a camp version of the film, and Cage has gone on record saying, We knew it was funny, and again, that's the standard excuse. That's the Tommy Weasel, the room yeah, yeah. excuse. I don't think you did. And it's a serious, the original one ser- takes itself seriously, it's a serious film, and there is a serious film you can make about this. But what's odd is that Cage's performance is slightly over the top. And it's a bad performance in a film where you're meant to be the same man amongst mad people to do a madman in there. But it's, it doesn't work. And he, the, I mean, he's got these strange... His teeth are weird. He's, he's, got, Dick Emery's, he's got Dick Emery's vicar's teeth. It's the closest he gets to being Christian Copper is he looks like a Dick Emery vicar. And his missus has got a weird bee-stung mouth through to plastic surgery. So they, they're the weird mouth people. Yeah. She's really distracting. And it doesn't... It, you almost want... Um, his performance is so odd in it that people are liking it for being camp. I think the real achievement of this as a film to watch is, A, it makes you appreciate how good the original is. Because mm. occasionally they dip back into the Anthony Schaffer screenplay yeah. for a minute. And the film just catches fire every time they just do the meeting on the harbour side and that's not me's daughter, though. It's brilliant. Every time they bur- the, the actual burning happens, it catches fire. It's an amazing film. And every time they deviate, you realise what a better writer yeah. Schaffer is than Neil LeBoot. But I think as a writer, I find it fascinating because they've made every single mistake you could make in fixing this film and as a writer you're constantly asked to fix the rough bits in your script yeah. and I think this film is a proof of when you've got a cult classic like With Nan and I if you came in and said can there be some girls in it you ruin With Nan and I yeah. all the good decisions you could make all the sensible decisions you can make about fixing what's wrong with a film have been made and it's terrible and they should have left it well alone and it's quite I find it fascinating for that another thing I thought was interesting was that the look of it is so they've gone for a sort of glossy, almost um, 
a Tony Scott film looks It's yellow. It's the yellowest film. It's, it's funny so yellow. Weird. It's not it's not a horror movie look. No. Um it's you know, it's and the, the choice of camera angles and everything is, is it's like it's a it's a it it's like it's a sort of you know, procedural cop it's thing it's rather than it's a psychological thriller. Well, I think with, with the original, what's great about the original is you don't know what you're watching. I've sat and watched the original when it wasn't widely known. I saw, I've seen sort of 16 mil prints of it where people have laughed mm. because it looks camp, like a 70s sex comedy and occasionally. So the original is, looks like a hammer film and then they keep putting the rug out under you and it's weirder and weirder and weirder. So the idea of making it sort of a genre mashup is quite is quite faithful to the original. It should be a police procedural where it's like, Alien starts looking like a space film when it turns into a haunted house film. Yes. You're a psycho. You can do a genre mashup to keep people on the back foot. But this one's just rubbish. And it also, the, one of the biggest achievements of it is it's set on an island that's only got women on it and mute men. Yes. And it fails the Bechtel test. Two women <laughs> never speak to each other. Is that right? I was watching it going, that's they never talk to yeah. each other. It's, it's, amazing. It's, it's basically a film full of women who never actually discuss anything. Yeah. It's just Nicolas Cage shouting and punching women. Punching women. It could be this astonishing sort of feminist or question. And also they seem film. to sort of um, take tentative steps down the path of he's losing his mind, how much of this is real. Yeah. But then that never pays that's, off in That's anything. always done through the... T- it's literally what can we do? What it's the shaking pills thing. Yeah, everyone. That's oh, he's a, got shaky pills, yeah, isn't he? That's what he's. He has pills. He's, that bit. Just hold a bottle, shake the pills, and everyone thinks that you might be. He, also does, a, he does a double dream as well, which is yes. always a, 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 in a horror film. It's reaching for desperation, doing the whoop, wake up from a dream thing is always cheap. But he does it and then wakes up again. I'm like still no, in the dream, like no one ever does. Yes. and it's oh, it's brilliant. But it's, I found it really interesting to watch as. You think, oh, filmmaking's actually quite a hard art form. Yes. You watch this because it almost has all the mistakes, all the cuts are wrong, the acting's wrong. There's so many mistakes, it's interesting to watch. You it crosses like, the lines a few yeah. times. It's, ba- it's badly, direct- I mean, badly directed, as in you can't understand what's going on yes. in some shots. But I think, I mean, having made a film and things, it is really hard to make a film. And I think what I like about this is that you've taken these elements. It's a good story, the original. You can't really, even this can't break it. The idea of the man going to the, the island where where no one is trustworthy and things. But they've broken everything. I mean, the, the, the central... If you said, what's the Wicker Man about? It's about a man who gets a letter to go to an island because a girl's gone missing. And they've added in a mysterious extra missing girl at the beginning who you're distracted by and they never tell you what it is. So you forget he's on a missing girl hunt because yes. it's more about how did he see this sort of slightly don't-look-now girl in a red dress thing they borrowed from Nicholas Rowe. So you forget the actual story because they've got another story around it. And then when he gets there, he's amongst strangers, but he knows one of them. Mm. So every time he goes to go and see his ex-girlfriend, she explains the island to him. But as a scriptwriter, you're watching it going, she explains the island a bit and then stops explaining it for reasons that make no sense. And he if, doesn't question it. Yeah. Like his police he's, he's work is appalling. <laughs> like he goes, tell me what's happened. And she says something a bit Phoebe from Frenzy. And then he goes... Fine. All right, well, I'll go over here then. <laughs> yeah, so his investigation could be solved by just taking her to a coffee shop and saying, tell me everything about the island you grew up on and live on. Yeah. So the idea of him being a man alone amongst strangers has been removed. So you go, well, what have you got left? And the answer is punching women and bees. Yeah. Allergic to bees. And him in, him in a bear costume is great. Oh. Nicholas Cage wandering around in a bear costume. He looks so hot. He's sweaty throughout. But when he puts on the bear costume, he looks really uncomfortable. And I, then I notice his hair is quite... It's, it's a bad hair film for Nicolas Cage. And also, his ears... They're, they're, they're prosthetic ears made from wax. 
he looks I know like, that quite I see, with the teeth and the ears, it looks like he's like playing a, a character from Lord of the Rings, like he's from a different species. So again, it doesn't work. The whole point with, with Edward Woodward in the original is Woodward is a terrific actor and b a very good everyman, mm. a quite good a, a pillar of the community. Well, one of the mistakes they make on uh, being a nerd about the original, one of the mistakes they make in the original one when they did a director's cut of it, which is the one everyone watches now, is it opens on the mainland and you find out that no one trusts Edward Woodward's character, that he's a bit of a a sort of a religious bigot whereas in the original film he just as it was originally cut he just flies onto the island and you go oh policeman it's Callan I trust yes. him and the point with Nicholas Cage he looks weird from the beginning so you kind of go well there's something up with him he's all twitching well they make not. him look like the T-1000 at the beginning with yeah. his sort of robotic movements and he's a and motorcycle it, cop and, and he's a dick to the people he stops for speeding yeah. and stuff uh, like well, they don't say the, the in the he's script, a horrible man in the script it's like uh, you know the first line he says is just you know um it's the equivalent of, can I see your licence of registration, please? It's one of those. But he just goes, give me a licence of registration. And then, just like, what and, then the little, and then the little girl in the back of the car is worse than Veruca Salt, one of the most spoiled, awful yeah. kids. And she gets killed and you go, well, I'm glad she's dead. And it's just, it, it, the, as far as audience sympathies go, it's, it's a high-functioning, weird, weird film girl. that doesn't appear to understand humans. And I like those kind of films. And also the most famous bit of it is utterly unnecessary. The, the bees. bees in my eye because they they they're going to kill him in a different way so they've really crowbarred this in. One of the things that also works on the original is that he's not under threat throughout. Yes. Whereas in this one, because it's a bad modern horror film, he's constantly they're constantly sort of put trapping him in basements that are filling with water for and no went, reason. And he went, if this is a sacrifice, you could have done it then. Yeah. And people keep people who are in on the plot keep saving him from dying so that he can die at the end as part of a ritual they don't explain. Yes. And so what, would you watch this film? Why would you recommend this film to? Why I te- would you watch I it? I tell you what, I, I like it because it's funny. I don't know anyone who hasn't enjoyed watching this because it's just it's a good film to talk over because it's funny. But when we were away short, shooting my horror film last year, after a really bad day's filming, we all went back at two in the morning and watched this. No one had seen it but from me. And the next morning we felt amazing. It, if you're making a film, you should watch this film because it will make you feel like your film's going to be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> There's a recommendation. <laughs> but what, sorry, I was going to ask if the Wicker Man's in your top three. What are the other two? Oh, that's really hard because you, you should always say that because you should never name the other two because then you can shoot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, probably uh, if it was Horror of the Innocents and um, Dark Water, and if it's other things, probably Raiders and. Charade. Dark Water. I've, I've seen the remake of that. Oh, one, the original Dark Water is amazing. So I've not a, seen the Innocence either. What's it Innocence called? is genuinely a perfect film. It's the Turn of the Screw, Ghost Story, Henry James Ghost Story, uh, filmed by Jack Clayton, who made almost nothing else. But cinematography is by Freddie Francis, who did The Elephant Man. It's just oh, awesome. it's a 1960s. Peter out. Wingard plays a ghost in it. It's I, it was the other thing I was going to bring in, but it's a serious film, so it's not as funny. Oh, it's thanks of, a lot. He made us watch that rubbish shit. film. You could have watched The Innocence. Do watch The Innocence because it's uh, the best. I think the best ghost story ever committed to film. Oh, okay. cool. Okay. Well, that's us for this week. Thank you for coming in. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug at all? Um, oh, what's, uh, listen to uh, 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 Kevin Eldon will see you now on Radio 4 at uh, 11 o'clock on Tuesdays. Correct. Really good. Do that. I can care. Um, all right. We'll be back next week with yet more films. Keep, Keep watching the films. films. Bye. Bye. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.